Welcome to a Prevent Connect podcast, where we explore the prevention of violence against women. This is a project of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault. Hello, this is David Lee, and I am speaking today with Cordelia Anderson, who is with the Sensibilities Prevention Services. Hi, Cordelia. Hi, David. And I'm also with Joan Tabachnik of DSM Consulting. Hi, Joan. Hi, David. Cordelia and Joan work with Prevent Connect. They are consultants and host our web conference series, Power and Prevention, Ending Child Sexual Abuse web conference series that is sponsored by Ms. Foundation for Women. And we are going to be talking about working with youth-serving organizations on prevent child sexual abuse. So I'm really thrilled to have both of you talking with us. Let me start with you, Joan. Let's talk about why do you think it's important for youth-serving organizations to be able to address child sexual abuse? Well, I think there's actually an incredible opportunity that has opened up in the past really two years with some of the pending cases that have come to light, starting with the Catholic Church, with an amazing article in the New York Times around the Horace Mann School, and then most people have heard about is a case against Sandusky in Penn State. And what they highlighted for me and what I see over the past two years is incredible change, where I think when I started this work, people talked about how children can protect themselves. And then 10 years later, people started talking about how this is an adult responsibility. And now people are beginning to say that realizing that if organizations take on responsibility, it makes it much safer for children and it makes it harder for anyone to abuse within those youth-serving organizations. There's a wonderful quote from the Institute of Medicine Health Promotion Study in 2006 said that it's unreasonable to expect that people will change their behavior easily when so many forces in the social, cultural, and physical environment conspire against such change. So what we're talking about is changing the social norms within an organization to make it safer for children and it making less safe to anyone to harm children. Well, you know, I think it's really great to talk about these changes and these opportunities we have. And I know that you and Cordelia hosted a web conference in November of 2012 where we talked about after Sandusky, what have we learned to prevent child sexual abuse in youth-serving organizations. And we do have a recording available on preventconnect.org. But I think we also now want to think about how we can go to the next level and think about what are those actions that people can take Cordelia, I think I'm going to turn to you and ask you about what are some of the goals that we're trying to do in working with organizations to be able to develop policies to prevent child sexual abuse? Well, we were really excited to have an opportunity to dig into this again because with the earlier web conference you mentioned, that was really an overview. That was kind of a hot time with a visible case. And this is really more geared at tools. When we were thinking about this, really wanted people to understand youth-serving organizations are prevention. They help keep youth sports safe. They help build up those protective factors and developmental assets. We don't want people to be fearful of getting involved in youth-serving organizations as they hear about all of this because that would block young people from getting the benefits that they can get from being involved in many of these organizations, which can help kids with resiliency, healing from trauma. We want people to just think about that it's not a one-size-fits-all, that it is really possible to make organizations so that abuse is highly unlikely to be perpetrated and that they can really have a competitive advantage by putting these programs into place. And one of the things we had thought about with this is what are the barriers that get in the way? And there's a lot of barriers we always hear about that get in the way, and that is that people sometimes in organization just lacks the knowledge of the scope of the problem or they really don't understand the harm that's done from child sexual abuse or they might just be embarrassed to talk about it, the it being either sex or sexual abuse. And for some people, they just say, you know, it's easier to do nothing. They don't know about the resources available and they think they lack the resources to do something. They worry about offending people. They're overwhelmed about where to start. So we really want to flip that and help them understand 
what a positive effort this can be for them and get beyond that it can't happen here and be proactive so that it's less likely to. And in some ways, I think really it's the responsibility of a responsible youth-serving organization to ensure the safety and well-being of the children in its care and to really make sure that their environment is one that really fulfills the mission of those organizations to be able to support youth. It's also what's kind of interesting is I find when I talk to organizations, it's also helpful to talk about it not just as as an obligation, but it also, as most organizations don't have these policies in place, it gives them a competitive advantage. So if I'm a a parent and I want to send my child to a summer camp, I'm going to want to send them to a summer camp where they do have these youth policies in place and they are aware of it and they know what to do. And in conversations with youth-serving organizations, it's a great way of framing why they should be listening to you. Thank you, Joan, for really sharing and thinking about the reasons why it's important to do overcome those barriers to be able to have organizations do that response, and there's a lot of resources available. So, Joan, why don't you first talk about out of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, they put together a book called Preventing Child Sexual Abuse Within Youth-Serving Organizations Getting Started, Policies and Procedures that you can get at the cdc.gov website. And this is really a fabulous resource. Can you talk about it briefly? Sure. In 2002, so this is actually going way back, that the CDC realizes that there was a lot being done at the individual and relationship level of the ecological model and then also at the society level in terms of public policies. But there's very little being done at the community level and organization level. So they pulled together people from all over the country for a think tank of which Cordelia and I were both involved in. And we created a really wonderful report that you just named. And anybody can Google that and it's available for free download. And it really gives a fabulous overview of what kinds of policies can be put into place. And that breaks it up into a various different categories, whether what kind of screening needs to be done, what kind of code of conduct needs to be put in place, how to make a report, and how to respond to behaviors that may be not abusive but inappropriate. If you want an overview, that's probably one of the best free overviews that I know that's out there. Well, great. And in addition to that, you've identified many great innovative responses that we've seen from organizations throughout the world. Can you just share a few examples that you have seen of innovative responses of organizations taking on policies to prevent child sexual abuse? Sure. When that report was released in 2005, it really was the only thing that was out there that was comprehensive in that way. So since then, there's been a lot of different resources that have been produced. And just to name a few, there was in Canada, the equivalent of the Child Protective Services put together a wonderful report called Commit to Kids. That's available. There is a small fee for that, but it's really a very comprehensive document that takes the CDC report and puts it more into almost a how-to manual. What I'd like to point is that the state of New Jersey, but also actually the entire country of Australia, has has made a requirement for any organization receiving public funds have some sort of child protection policies in place. So you cannot receive public funds unless you follow some criteria that they've established or what would be valid child protection policies. The NICMIS, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, put together a wonderful conference called Safe to Compete, which was about protecting child athletes from sexual abuse. And if you look on the NICMIC website, you can find some information about that. That was done in March of 2013. And then the other two which are going to be highlighted in other podcasts are the United States Olympic Committee, who really have stepped out in front in terms of creating policies for sports organizations. And then the abuse campaign in Massachusetts, I worked on that project, so just in terms of full disclosure, gatekeepers for kids. And that's sort of taking the other side of the equation, which is which for a lot of small organizations who don't know what to do, it sets out some really simple steps of what, if you do nothing else, these are three steps you should do. And so that's another free resource, which is available through the Enough Abuse campaign. So there's just a few of the many that are out there. Great, and thank you. And as you said, the Prevent Connect will be having a podcast 
podcast with Malia Arrington from the United States Olympic Committee and also a podcast with Jetta Bernier of Mass Kids talking about the Enough Abuse campaign and the Gatekeepers for Kids. So do check out those other Prevent Connect web conferences. Well, thank you, Joan, for sharing a lot of those fabulous resources for people who are involved in efforts to try to be able to prevent child sexual abuse. I want to get a takeaway message. I'll start with you, Cordelia. What's your takeaway message for people who are involved in this work of where do you see the next steps that people can be able to take? Well, our key point with all of this that just came up that's clear to me again is the need to focus on organizations. As Joan said, you know, looking at the ecological model, we've done a lot with individuals, but this really is a time to say, what can we do to have all the benefits that are in so many of our youth serving organizations and at the same time really work on the environment through policies and practices and training in those organizations so that it's highly unlikely that abuse would be perpetrated. So there are many resources. So I think a, a key takeaway is look up these resources, become familiar with them. It There are simple ways to get started. There are ways to enhance what you've already got going. And then bottom line, the other piece is let's keep talking. Keep talking about child sexual abuse and what we can do to prevent it. Great. And Joan, any last takeaway that you want to share? I think just building what Cordelia said is that you know, every organization can do something and that there's some very simple things that can be done. Every organization should get started. In fact, there's no reason why an organization should not be doing something given what we know and that my advice about how to do that is to really do this in terms of not out of a place of fear, but a place of hope because child sexual abuse is something that can be prevented, especially when we are educating ourselves and we're able to have, you know, to say the words, we're able to talk about what's inappropriate behaviors and intervene at that point. So I would say everybody should be doing something and please approach us with a attitude of hope because this is something which is preventable. Great. Well, thank you. We've been talking with Joan Tabachnik and she's with DSM Consulting and Cordelia Anderson from Sensibilities Prevention Services, and they are the co-hosts of the Power and Prevention Ending Child Sexual Abuse web conference series that Prevent Connects co-sponsors with the Ms. Foundation for Women, and they recently led a web conference on power of organizational practices, innovations to keep kids safer. And thank you, Joan and Cordelia, for sharing all this great information, and I look forward to checking in with you further as we learn more about how we can be able to take efforts to prevent child sexual abuse. Thank Thank you very much. Thanks. It's been a pleasure, David, as always. Thank you for listening to this Prevent Connect podcast. Prevent Connect is a project of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault with funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The views presented on Prevent Connect are not necessarily the views of the United States government, the CDC, or CalCASA. To learn more about Prevent Connect, visit www.preventconnect.org. For more information about CalCASA's mission or to show your support, visit calcasa.org. That's C-A-L-C-A-S-A dot O-R-G.